It seems to me logic that the only reason he hasn't destroyed the earth is because we're still here. So I'm certainly not going to draw that conclusion that we are not supposed to be here. On the other hand, I don't like stink. Anybody ever noticed that when you, no matter how you work it, your trash can stinks? Has anybody ever noticed that at your house? It stinks. We make a lot of trash. My bathrooms stink at times. Beautiful people go into those rooms, and when they come out, I'm reminded of a movie, forgive me if this is carnal, but Jim Carrey going, woo, you don't want to go in there. I mean, that happens in my house sometimes. It's like, how do beautiful people do that? We humans make a lot of waste. And so it seems to me it's really simple. If there's a way for us to take some of our waste and use it again productively, that sounds like good stewardship. And that's all recycling is. I'm not going out to hug a tree. I don't think you need to abort your babies, ladies. In fact, I think you need to not abort your babies. Life comes from God. I... I don't think that we need to feel guilty because we live on this earth and we, and, we, and we live from the earth. But at the same time, I like good stewardship. So thank you for helping us with recycling. And uh, we need loose recycling. So when you tie it up in those plastic bags, that gets us into trouble. Now, there's another reason, too. This one's mainly coming from Sister Leela because she has more and more responsibility of the money. And that is if we don't handle our recycling right, they charge us as if it's trash. And then that means the bill goes up. And when the bill goes up, Lil gets a bad attitude. Can you help me out? Because I don't like Lil when she has a bad attitude. She gets really nasty when she has a bad attitude. So help me out there, folks. We want our executive pastor to not have a bad attitude. Everybody say amen. amen. Praise God. Put up my first my title slide. I have good news and I have bad news. I really do. When I realized I needed to take care of a couple of things, I just kind of morphed the announcements a little bit to fit them in there. You ever heard this phrase? I know you all have. I have good news and I have bad news. And then usually it's followed by, which do you want first? So I thought I'd start out today with a little bit of mirth. Uh, so a guy in the hospital with two broken legs, the nurse comes in and says to him, there's good news and there's bad news. The guy asked for the bad news first. It was interesting. You all asked for the bad news first as well. The nurse says, we're going to have to remove your legs. Sounds pretty bad. Then the guy asks for the good news. The nurse says, well, the guy beside you wants to buy your sneakers. <laughs> uh, in the medical vein, let me go forward a little bit more. Doctor comes in and says, I have good news and I have bad news. Patient says, go with the good news first. This one was optimistic, I guess. Doctor says, you have 24 hours to live. Patient goes, what? <laughs> if that's good news, what's the bad news? Doctor says, um, <clears throat> I forgot to tell you that yesterday. Oops. I, I think I might want a new doctor, but it's a little late. On a little bit more uh, church, church vein, Good news is that you baptized seven people today in the river. Bad news is, is you lost two of them in the swift current. That sounds like the mission field. I thought about tweaking it a little bit, talking about, you know, 
Two of them died by crocodile bites or something. You know, it, it, it happens. Good news is the advisory board accepted your job description the way you wrote it. Bad news is they were so inspired by it that they formed a search committee to find somebody capable of filling the position. <laughs> I hope that doesn't ever happen to me, but anyway. Good news is member care voted to send you a get well card. Bad news is the vote passed by 31 to 30. <laughs> Only half of them wanted to say get well. Final one that I wanted to introduce to the topic today. This was very personal to me. Happens all the time. Good news is his church attendance rose dramatically in the last three weeks. Bad news is you were on vacation. <laughs> Good news. Bad news. We've heard this, and the reason that there are jokes made about it is because life a lot of times comes that way. It comes with both good and bad news, usually in the same package. This morning, I need to preach to you both good news and bad news. But I start with a simple question. Which are you going to focus on? Which are you going to focus on? And unlike the jokes that I use to just have a little bit of laughter and a little bit of mirth, Unlike the jokes, you really do affect the outcome of your life depending on which you focus on. I'm also here to tell you this morning that not only do you have a choice about which you focus on, but the church of the living God and its ministers of the gospel, which is all of us, we have a choice. We have a message that includes good news, and we have a message that includes bad news. Which are we focused on? Historically, the church has had a problem. The Pentecostal movement in particular has had a problem. In fact, we preachers have worn as a badge of honor that we are a hellfire and brimstone preacher. That was the anointed preaching. That had power to it. And I'm not taking away from that our message has good news and it has bad news. I'm not arguing with you this morning that there is both in the gospel good news and there's bad news. But again, I return to my question, which are you focusing on? Which you focus on has an absolute impact upon the outcome. Unlike the jokes in which really you probably have very little control over what happens. In this context, what you focus on is directly correlated to what you end up doing. The bad news will not get you to heaven. The good news will. The good news will get you to heaven and thereby keep you out of hell. The bad news, it will not get you to heaven, and it will not keep you out of hell. This is my basic problem, because as I study the scriptures, I find good news and bad news. I'm going to give you a couple of examples this morning. But I find that the tenor and the focus of the proclamation, one being in the gospel of Mark and the other being in the gospel of John, in both cases, they are much more aligned with the Apostle Paul's declaration that we as ambassadors of Christ 
have a message. We have been sent into the world to beg the world to be reconciled to God. A message of hope. God commends his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. A message of a God who loves us, and that love produces mercy and grace that I preached about last week. Which are you focused upon? You see, the good news and the bad news are usually related. There is bad news. Today, I have to tell you, there is bad news. All you have to do is look at yourself honestly in the mirror, and you know there's bad news. You know you don't think right. You know you don't talk right. You know you don't walk right. You know you don't feel right. You know that something's wrong. That's the bad news. But if you focus on the bad news, then you will, you will try to deal with that reality in a way that is unproductive and in a way that does not produce a lasting effect. But I have good news for you today. I have good news about a perfect God who loves us with a perfect love, who descended to this earth in a perfect body, who took into that perfect body the sin of the world and then died a perfect death to pay for the sins of the world. And in so doing, he has produced a perfect way for you to become perfect and make heaven your home. Which are you going to focus on? The fact that you're not right? The fact that everything's not okay? The fact that you're a sinner? The fact that you need to change? The fact that you're broken? Or are you going to focus upon a perfect God who loves you perfectly and has come to seek and to save your soul? You see... Responding to which do you want first is somewhat of a reflection of our, of our outlook. It's somewhat a reflection of our personality. Is it a half full or a half empty glass? And each of us, God has made with different parts. It's very funny. Some of us are very optimistic and some of us are very pessimistic. And, and others of us think we're balanced in the middle and we call ourselves very pragmatic or, 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 or realists. And, and, and we're all over the map here. And I really think that God kind of mixed it up on purpose because none of us have quite got it together. The pessimists are never totally right, nor are the optimists totally right. And when you mix us all together, we start coming much closer to the approximation of reality. But you see, what I'm preaching to you this morning is not a joke. It's not a joke. It's about heaven and hell. It's about righteousness and sin. It's about redemption and damnation. Which are you going to focus upon? Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse number 15, Jesus tells the disciples in an abbreviated version that matches over to Matthew 28. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. First thing I want you to understand is you will see in these two passages that in the message that Jesus gave them to preach, there is bad news. But Jesus said, my focus is to be on the good news. Preachers, you need to listen to me. Bad news might move people in the moment, but it doesn't save them. Good news might not move them quite as quick, but it'll save them. Don't preach bad news. Preach good news. Your focus needs to be upon the message of the gospel that will save. 
You see it in verse 16. We all know this verse, many of us very well. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Does anybody notice that is a positive statement? That is the good news. If you will believe and be baptized, you will be saved. God doesn't say any caveats there. He doesn't put any parenthetical phrases. He says anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Now here comes the bad news. Anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. There is the reality of condemnation. There is the reality of if you refuse to believe, then there is condemnation. But notice this is it because this passage immediately turns back to these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Jesus then, in verse 19, says that when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. In other words, Jesus told them, focus on the good news. If you'll believe and be baptized, you'll be saved. And these signs will follow them that believe. In there is bad news. If you do not believe, you will be condemned. But the last words of Jesus before he ascends into the clouds are not warnings about hell. They are not warnings about damnation. They are not warnings about condemnation. But rather it is a focus upon good news. I have come. I have died. I have created the ability for you to be saved. And because you can be saved, I will work with you. I will work through you. I will do what you cannot do. When you hear the message of the gospel, it really is a message of heaven or hell. It really is a message of salvation or damnation. But which one do you focus on? Which one are you paying attention to? When God steps into your life and says, I need this to leave because I'm going to add this to you, which do you focus on? Your loss or your gain? Jesus talks about the kingdom he does it very, very succinctly. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who finds a field and while digging around in it, and I've always wondered what he was doing digging around in the field because it wasn't his field. <laughs> Sorry. I think very funny thoughts. Funny in the sense of kind of irreverent. Like I want to ask Jesus, did you like go digging around in people's fields that wasn't your own? I don't know. But he says he finds a field. He digs around it, and he finds a treasure. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this person who, when he sees that treasure, he goes and sells everything he has. He loses everything he has in order to gain the field in which the treasure lies. Oh, I've lost everything for Jesus. Yeah, but what have you gained? Which are you looking at? Good news or bad news? Jesus. Holy. Yeah. Now my relationship with my husband or my wife's gotten a lot better since I stopped acting licentious. Ooh, y'all were with me until I went there, huh? Are you focused on what he takes away from you? Because Jesus will take things away from you. Ladies and gentlemen, I have bad news for you. 
He walks in and he says, I bought you with a price. You are not your own. I own you. I get to tell you where to go. I get to tell you where to go, where to come. I get to tell you how to dress. I get to tell you how to talk. I get to tell you everything about your life. And all oh, we Americans, we go, huh? Nobody tells me what to do. We are the most attitudinal people that have ever existed. And all of you who come from all of the nations around the world, it takes you very little time to pick up on that attitude. You're like, this is a great place. And by the way, on a human level, it is a great place. I'm thankful for the freedoms we have. I'm thankful that LaToya doesn't get to just walk in my house and start messing around because she's got such a big brute of a husband and she can force me to do whatever. I'm glad that she has to show respect to me. I mean, I'm a confident guy, but I, I, I treat Akeem with due deference. That man has a set of guns that I don't even know how to deal with. I'm, I'm glad on a human level, but ladies and gentlemen, what works for us on a human level of showing respect to one another, God is not impressed by the Declaration of Independence, nor is he impressed by the U.S. Constitution, nor is he impressed by the White House and the President of the United States. God is a kingmaker. He brings people up. He takes them back down. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He bought you with a price. So forgive me. But when I'm the one who bears the message to you, the king has no problem walking in and going, you know what? I want that gone. God never takes away from you something he does not replace. You know why I know it? Because he said so. He says, you never give up for my kingdom. Houses, lands, people, relationships. You never give up anything for my kingdom. That in this life, I don't return it to you times 100. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd be a very wealthy man. I would run the world. If I could guarantee to every investor that gave me their money that they would receive 100 times that money. That's a performance way beyond. That's what God said. Oh, and by the way, I'll throw in a bonus. I like bonuses. He said, I'll throw in a bonus. I'll give you eternal life. You'll never die again. And you're weeping and whining because he wants you to dress a certain way or he wants you to talk a certain way or he wants you to stop doing something or he wants you to start going someplace? You're not focused on the right news. Did you not hear what he, anything I give up? He returns times 100. Times 100. I mean, I'm not as good at math as my dad is, but I'm good enough at math to know that is an investment I want. This is a new crowd. I got to tell you. I got to tell you how I believe in, in these. This, this is back in the day when I was focused on the good news and wasn't paying attention to the bad news. So we're going to North American Youth Congress. It was a year. We were going to North American Youth Congress. We're on the bus. We're headed. I don't even remember where it was. We were headed. I think it was Indianapolis, actually. I was a young man. I was not a teenager, but I was a young man. I didn't have a whole lot of money, but I had enough money for the trip. So we stopped at a truck stop. We go in and use the bathroom, and somebody, it must have been somebody close to me because I was in on it early. Somebody figured out that somebody had flipped a switch wrong in the change machine in the arcade. Instead of for every dollar you put in the change machine, you got back four quarters. 
for every dollar you put in the change machine, you got back 20 quarters. Brother Keith, my 20s were running in there. My 10s were running in there. I walked out of there. I paid for everything that, that event with quarters. I had bulging pockets. Me and my compatriots emptied that machine in five minutes flat. Never dawned on me I was stealing. Never thought about it. In fact, never dawned on me until I was on the bus headed to Indianapolis and I thought, wait a minute, maybe that wasn't right. I wasn't focused on getting caught. I wasn't focused on anything. I just knew one made five, and that was a good deal. And you and I weep and whine when God says, give me your one, and I'll give you 100. I'm sorry. You, you got to make up your mind. Are you going to focus on the good news, or are you going to focus on the bad news? I have asked the Lord to forgive me. I have no idea how to make restitution. I don't even know where we stopped. <laughs> in my worst days, I, I collect all of the truck stops I've ever stopped in and the nastiness of their bathrooms and says, that was your cost. What you focus on affects how you act. What you focus on affects how you respond. What you focus on affects what you're looking at. Jesus gave a message to his apostles in Mark chapter 16 that was a message that contained bad news. If you don't believe, you'll be condemned. But the rest of the message was if you believe, I'll save you. If you believe, I'll do miraculous things through you. If you believe, I'll be with you. If you believe, I'll walk with you. Let me take you to one more passage that, that kind of, if you will, is, is perhaps the perfect text to understand exactly what God is up to. John chapter 3, beginning with verse number 14. As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Do you notice the opening statement here? Everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Not everyone who doesn't believe in him will have damnation. God did not die on the cross in order to condemn humanity. God died on the cross in order to save humanity. For this is how God loved the world, verse 16. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In other words, God is actually trying to take away the bad news. The good news of the gospel is not just there's good news and there's bad news. It's actually the good news is meant to negate the bad news. It's to be a win-win, unlike the jokes where you're both losing your legs, but you might get some money for your sneakers. You're going to keep both good news and bad news. And the one may or may not outweigh the other. 
God's good news is meant to take away the bad news. The reason he came, the reason he died, the reason he loves you, the reason that he's made this salvation plan possible for you is so that you could be saved and by being saved that you would then not perish. And then in case you missed the point, John says God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Do you hear the tenor so far? I can't hear bad news in this message. There is the possibility of it, but it's overwhelmed by the message of good news, of God's love, of his power, of his ability to save us. Then he says, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. But notice even the judgment is not capricious. It's, it's not just random. The judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world. God is not indicting us that we live in darkness. God is not indicting you that you don't know the truth. God is not indicting you that you are pulled away by your lusts and your desires as I am. Into that darkness, God's light came into the world. But then we have a choice. Which are we going to focus upon? Because if we love the darkness more than the light, then our actions stay evil. And all who do these evil actions will hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But notice again, this passage ends on the positive note. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. What does God want for you? God wants for you to be saved. There are many of you sitting here and you have history, you have culture, you have background. And I already alluded earlier in the message that so many of us preachers, historically, have taken great pride in our stand for the truth, our defense of the truth, of preaching a message that is focused on the bad news. And I will agree with you that at times you can preach that message in such a way that you scare the living snot out of people. And they hit your altars and they pray. But I've learned something. I've learned something in my own life and I've learned it in the life of others. Fear is not greater than love. The fear of the rejection of my wife based upon actions I take is not greater than my desire and my receipt of, his, of her love for me. I'm not telling you God doesn't discipline us. I'm not telling you that in the gospel there's not some bad news. And we're going to give you all the space you need. But ladies and gentlemen, yes, you serve a holy God that's going to require you to live a life that's different than what you want to live. And I know that there's been some preachers in the past that have preached that in such a way that it has become abusive. They have scarred your spirits. They have attacked your mind. And they've actually used it at times as a mechanism of control and of power. I'm not telling you that I can't do that and I'm not telling you I haven't even done it at times. But I can tell you I do not desire to share with you a message of condemnation. 
you've been coming here for a little while wondering what's different about this Pentecostal church because I, I, I notice how they live and I, I notice how they dress and I, I notice how they speak and, and, and it's looking an awful lot like where I came from but there's something a little different. Can I tell you what it is? Same gospel, different focus. I'm not trying to scare you into heaven. I'm not trying to scare you out of hell. I'm here today with a message that Jesus gave us to invite you to be saved. Without salvation, I don't need to tell you that you're in a heap of trouble just like I am. I don't think right. I don't act right. I'm just messed up. I'm not going to make you lose your, use your voice. But if you agree with me that you're just messed up, wave a finger at me. So I really don't need to have you focus on that. Because frankly, it's depressing. Frankly, it's overwhelming. Frankly, some of you have spent your entire life, perhaps even in the church, trying to overcome it. You're not going to. For you're saved by grace through faith not of yourselves, not but by the gift of God, by his operation in your life. Now, a lot of preachers are nervous about preaching this, and I'm drawn to a close. So, Regina, if you'd come. A lot of preachers are nervous about preaching this, and the reason they are is because, number one, their peers might think that they're backsliding. Their peers might think that they're going soft on the gospel. Now, the good news about me is my peers don't know what to do with me. <laughs> my peers are so wigged out by so many things by me that I really don't pay too much attention anymore to what they think. The other problem is, is I was raised by wolves. You've heard that before. My mom and my dad were intense people. Coupled with a couple that in their own right is intense. I don't know if I'd call Marvin and Claudette Walker wolves, but I would call them intense. I mean, I sat many a time at a BQE and listened to a devotional in which either one of them would get very passionate about a very simple message. Your whole life is based on the Word of God and nothing but the Word of God. So between the wolves that were my parents and these two intense people that were very formative in my life I got the message I didn't like the message by the way because I'd read the Bible a lot of times and I saw all kinds of stuff brother Scott that was going to have to change in my life and I wasn't interested I wanted to be greedy I wanted to be covetous I wanted to be a workaholic I wanted to dominate people I wanted to control people you might not like me that's what I wanted I wanted to be able to tell anybody that I wanted to how to go take a long walk off a short bridge <laughs> with impunity. I'd have enough resources and enough power and enough everything that I could just do what I wanted to do. And I'd read the Bible and he'd say, you have to love your enemies. And I'm like, ugh. He'd say, you have to prefer your brother over yourself. And I'd be like, have you seen my brother? I 
I watched my parents serve people. and I mean, hey, it's bad. First place I ever learned cuss words was in the church. As people used them, calling my parents those words. I'm kidding you. I remember sitting in the George Wilson Community Center. I couldn't have been more than, what, six or seven at that point. Watched some woman drop the F-bomb 15 times. I'm like, I figured out later what it was, but, it, I mean, that's the first time I ever heard the F-bomb. I mean, frankly, Brother Scott, I'm not interested in that. I want to squash those kind of people. I want to have enough power that I don't even talk somebody else to get them. I really, sorry. I memorize, I mean, God gave me the Holy Ghost, but just because I had the Holy Ghost didn't mean that he had me. I got the Holy Ghost at six. Man, I went through a spate of lying, cheating. So I'd memorize these words because I wanted to win a game. And then I'd go and I'd sit and I'd listen and my mom and my dad would be telling me at home and in devotions and Marvin and Claudette Walker would be telling me at Bible quiz tournaments in devotions that there's nothing in this world that matters more than the Word. That's the foundation of everything you do. That's how you live. That's how you breathe. It's the Word. It's the Word. It's the Word. It's the Word. Well, I, I could tell that the Word didn't line up with my plans. That was bad news. Because I had plans, people. Big ones. So when some of you struggle because God's word doesn't match your plans and you're trying to make the word match your plans, I have several emotions. One is I feel sorry for you. Because I've been there. Number two, I chuckle at you. Because it's amusing watching you contort. Trying to twist the word of God to match your plans. But in the end, forgive me. Blame it on my parents if you have to. I don't back up. I just wait on you. Because heaven and earth is going to pass away, ladies and gentlemen. But that word... It is settled, established in heaven forever. It ain't changing for you or me. Whether I like it or not, whether I'm happy about it or not, it's not changing. He's going to require of me what he requires of me. He bought me with a price. I'm not my own. He requires that I glorify him in my body and in my spirit, which are already his. That's all bad news for me. That's all bad news. I love you all dearly, but in my flesh, I do not want to serve you. I want to use you. Now, don't sit there and act holy. Don't you dare do it, because I said, in my flesh. Reality check. You all still got a flesh, a broken nature, an ungodly nature, a selfish nature a covetous nature, a greedy nature, a nature that wants your own way. Reality check. Married couples, how many of you in your marriage have ever had a fight? Do you know why? Because you got a flesh. 
You want your way. You want to do what you want to do. That's all bad news. But somewhere along the way, I fell in love with Jesus. I don't know what he looks like. I don't always like him. But every single time, he backs me up to a wall. And he says, I got good news and I got bad news. Bad news is you're going to have to do something that you don't want to do. But the good news is I'll never leave you or forsake you. Son, I will save you. Everything that's broken about you, I will make a right. I will make heaven your home. I just can't walk away from that God. I love him. And I choose. It's a choice. I choose. It's a choice. I choose to focus on the good news. So I don't know how to preach to you the good news without pointing you to the good news. The good news is you deserve to be damned, but God's going to save you. The good news is you're broken, but God's going to fix you. The good news is, is that hell was your destination until Jesus came, and now heaven is your destination. The good news is you're broken and you don't know how to do what is right, but he'll lead you and he'll guide you into all truth. The good news is, is that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. The good news is he'll fill you with his spirit. The good news is he'll wipe away your sins in the waters of baptism. The good news is he'll forgive your sins every time you repent. The good news, the good news, the good news. Oh, I love my Jesus. I love my Jesus. I choose good news. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm done. These altars are open. Would you love him this morning? Oh, I praise you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, Lord. Thank you for loving me.